Welcome to episode four of Monkey Business Show. What's up, Johan? How are you doing, buddy? What's up? What's up? I'm doing amazing. I've had a gorgeous day. Today has been the hottest day we've had in, in quite a while here. So, so that put a smile on my face. And yourself? That's amazing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm very jealous about your, your monkey, your, your tree. What do you have there in your corner? <laughs> this will be my little landscape that I'll keep, keep building on top of. Christmas ornament. This one I got, uh, got myself. Uh-huh. Uh, this one I actually I got this one. I got both of these myself, and then the monkey I got from you. I think this was the one you gave me a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, I have a monkey here too. Yeah. <laughs> Still with the tag. Yeah. Um, so, dude, I think that the, it's been very good to see the the reaction for for the podcast last week with with Nexa. And and how people are getting used to our our show and how we're doing it, so it's feel really good. I think my favorite comment is like, "Oh, I was waiting for this every Tuesday." You know, that's yeah. the whole point of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even my dad. I consume podcasts all the time. Uh, so your dad was watching it. You said, "Yeah." Even my dad was saying that he really enjoyed the last episode, and and that Nexa seemed like a perfect fit. You know, he seemed like the perfect character uh, for us and and for for like. Yeah, I don't know. He could he saw it as a viewer, as as being a really good fit, and he really enjoyed the last podcast. So, so far, so good. I guess yeah. I have I haven't read all the comments, but I've, I've read some. Some are, most of them good. There's there's a person that felt so passionate about this that he went on Reddit, he went on Twitter, and he went on the on this group. He was saying something that I feel I was wondering, like, should I address it or not? They're saying, well, a few months ago you said that Alexi was your guy, and that. And that you didn't want to make roster changes. And my answer was like, yeah, I felt that way. And then here we are now. And I am excited about Nexa for completely different reasons that I was excited about Alexi. And it doesn't mean that I, I'm trying to sell anybody that Nexa is better than Alexi or that Alexi is better than Nexa is that you gotta be excited for how different they both are and that they bring completely different things, you know, to the roster. So I don't know. I feel that I am allowed to be excited about Nexa, <laughs> even though we might not have Alexi. Well, we don't have Alexi. But anyway. All human bodies contain a certain amount of salt and some of them just more than others, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the meme. Even though I have to say my favorite meme this year is the I'm esports. That I am I, esports. I That's a great one. So what's going on there? Is he is I he ever is. is he gonna go to events after after his uh adventure but i was oh. gonna say like i don't want to get in the middle of a uh, of controversial opinions but i would say that that whole thread showed a complete disconnection of understanding of where you are of who you're talking to and how you're projecting your opinion and i wish i wish it didn't happen you know because <laughs> as much as i like having fun with it it was like oh this is not good for anybody i just I'm just imagining like somebody doubling down on a, you know, you already made an awkward joke and then you double down and you make another more awkward joke. <laughs> Eventually you find yourself standing there. I am, it's farts. <laughs> I find it 
I am his farts. Yeah, I saw a dude, he made a t-shirt um, for charity, right? Yeah, Jay. Jay, yeah. Jay made a t-shirt. Cool guy. <laughs> I found that hilarious. I think it's funny. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the chance to buy one, but I like, I am esports. That could be a Halloween costume. I'm just thinking right now how to, how to execute. Like, do you <laughs> just dread, no, do you even costume. bother writing like I am esports or do you get like somehow the whole message across like just esports? How do, how do you dress up as esports? I don't know. I have to think uh, about it. I would so, say like you could be like, I mean, you could obviously go the cosplayer, but it's not funny enough to just cosplayer. So I have to, should it just be like, we should just dress like Thorin? It's like, a, yeah, should I was going to say a play? Thorin mask and then, and then a esport name tag. I am esports. Nice uh -huh. to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. I think that there was, there's been a few very interesting tweets and maybe Michael can put them, the producer, can put them later on the screen. <laughs> so Twitter is a I think, good place to, to go to, not sometimes. Okay, so like, should we... Okay, I just don't know if I want to get into this. No, okay, no. So like, I wanted to get to a topic. I wanted to, wait, wait, I wanted to get to a topic, but I might have to just to address Alliance versus Kyle or Kyle versus Alliance. I don't want to get involved, but I will say it was not fun to see anybody having that much hate in either of sides it was it was bad for everybody and i it made me a little bit sad that this is clearly affecting them in an emotional way you know and in a personal way and that is never enjoyable that somebody has to suffer like that that was that was what i felt i didn't feel rage i felt like fuck, this sucked you know that it got to this because both of these are good people but you maybe should not say those things on twitter I just find it crazy that it, that people take it so serious that Twitter can be a platform where people can be so so sincere with words. I don't know. I have a hard time. Like whenever I go there, I just it, it rings rings a platform that you just type whatever you you, you feel like and you don't. It's, it's the one where you should delete your messages, but instead instead you click send. And I don't feel like it's. Um, it's but now you have the president tweeting from there. You have other big people who are actually using Twitter as like a form of communication like Elon will answer Tesla tweets and what whatnot so I don't know I have a bit of a mixed feeling about Twitter but but to me I still have a really hard time being very serious so when I hear somebody get all all mad all for real like start tweeting out like their actual frustration I can't help but laugh I find it comical that it actually gets to that that somebody can be gotten to and that's that's besides the point I still think Kyle was just doing his job fulfilling his role with his tweet he was like i have nothing but love you know no, nothing to say like not but uh and then you know cheering after a w after a win i think it's a solid point it's something that all teams talk about it's like don't get ahead of yourself when you win uh and it's just his way of saying it now i'm i, I wanted to tweet shut up kyle because everybody else was tweeting it and i actually found it funny because i thought it was like a meme <laughs> and then all of a sudden it got it got real and it got real dark and real serious and then i you know it's like a shock factor for five seconds and then i started laughing again i hope kyle was laughing too because i don't know it, I, I don't think you can take it serious i would say that for the audience that are watching uh johan and i actually had a conversation so we say something and we decided not to say anything because we thought that in that moment it was not like we couldn't even make a serious point or we cannot say anything in that moment. It was just more like the dumpster was on fire and we could either just watch, get away or like there was, there was no help for anybody. 
I do not think that Kyle's comments were out of line. I think that he's allowed to make fun and I think he's allowed to have an opinion about these things. He didn't make it personal. I obviously, I know Kyle very well and I'm friends with him. And like with Mira said, you know, she said like, look, this guy is not a bad guy, you know, that he sometimes makes mistakes and crosses a line. Okay. And I think that the Nico comment was again, he has the right to say that, you know, there is nothing wrong with what <laughs> yeah, he's saying. I thought it was really funny because of you know? the next tweet from Kyle yeah. too. Like that was the fun. Like there's nobody was, I don't know. I thought that was really right. funny. I don't yeah. think that Nico was out of line and I think he's allowed to feel how he wants to feel. And I don't think that Kyle's out of line because at the end of the day, I think sometimes we, we hold some of our personalities and players to higher standards that we hold ourselves, you know, and that we hold even our politicians. And we are all flooded individuals and we're allowed to have fun. We're allowed to get salty and we're allowed to be like, Hey, you know, have moments of weaknesses. I think that we try not to make it personal, but Hey, you've been in this moment in, in Twitter, you know, where you get wrapped up and in that moment you're like, okay, I wasn't sure that my comment was going to have this incredible reaction, you know? Because if I did, yes maybe no, I wouldn't have yes said no. it. At the like end of that. the day, you can just walk away yeah. and you can just turn it off, right? And and that's that's why. So, of course, on one hand, it's very real and it's very scary. People have been cancelled over tweets. People have been cancelled over a few words and sentences on this platform, and probably much more powerful things have happened. You know, president tweeting and whatnot, like and then stocks being being messed with, and, and like it has a huge influence. But at the same time, if I get if I just tweet like two things and and I feel like turning off my phone for two days, I don't I don't think it nags me. I don't think it should. I don't think it does. Um, and that's where I still I have this factor where it's like very very um, not real what goes on on Twitter. It's like you can obviously see when somebody is like actually sharing something real or sharing like frustration and whatnot. But but at the same time, it's it is just. You can always walk away from it. And that's what I would recommend to people too. It's like, don't get, don't let these things get so wound up. It's, um, yeah. Where, what is that? Uh, who was it that had the meme with, it's just the internet walk, like cyberbullying isn't real. Just walk away. Of course, cyberbullying is real. And sometimes you can't just walk away, but you know, for me, for Twitter, for the most part, I can apply that logic. You know, I can be like, turn it off. And it's just, I was just, it just has real consequences. I'm going to put a hat. Like, it's, it's true. It's true. Very self-conscious. One second. Come on. Look, I'm promoting my oh, no. Overwatch team, which we're going to be talking about this. What about the haircut? But yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, I love my haircut, but I, it's an ungovernable. Look at this. Thing. That's how it should be, dude. You look like a soccer player. To military hair, but I have no product or anything. So it's just. It's not military. Nice. So I'm going to go with that. You're, right, you're home from you. soccer practice. Sorry? You're home from soccer practice. Soccer practice. Yes. I am. I am. Yeah. My, mom, my mom drove me there. <laughs> That's another Spaniard in so the ocean. So. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, we all have these. When we're born, they give you like a few haircuts that you get to choose when you're a kid. And that's it. And you a soccer ball. That's why it's just like your yeah. character selection, you know? And yeah. it's the soccer one. Yeah. I, I chose this one when I was a kid and I can't change it anymore. <laughs> So what I was going to say to wrap it up is that obviously online conversations have real consequences, which is why people have to be careful. But I think a lot of us have like an alter ego personality online, you know, where it's not really them. And sometimes we confuse the person with the personality because 
it's hard, you know, because you are like a mixture, you know, are you Johan? Are you no-tail? You're both, you know, which is why in a way I love the Dr. Disrespect persona, you know, he has separated himself from that and now he can say whatever he wants. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I would like to obviously officially support everybody's freedom to say things that doesn't hurt other people. And if they were meant to hurt, which I don't think they were, you know, I think they both could have talked about it outside of that platform. <laughs> and yeah, obviously I try not to take it too far on the platform. Uh, so with this being said, there was another tweet that was very interesting for me. And I'm not going to paraphrase the tweet, but I will put it on the, on the board later. So Nate Schott tweeted something that it was that a few years ago, he sat in front of his board and asked his investors for money to get into Call of Duty and into the Franchise League. And that now that all of this was happening, he actually regrets that, that decision. And it really gave me a lot to think about first, because obviously nature is a person who I think is very smart and very successful and has a lot of really good temperature on, on the audience and what they're doing, which is why a hundred years has done so well. But it's also because I myself was actually a strong advocate and supporter of some of these franchise leagues. I thought it was a step forward and I thought there was a lot of very smart people behind these products. And now it's blowing in people's faces and I wonder what went wrong, you know, just from an intellectual place, because I didn't see it happening. I didn't see that we were going to get there. Uh, Johan, so when we started looking about franchise leagues and you heard that Overwatch was going to launch, uh, Call of Duty was going to launch, obviously yep. League of Legends franchise. How was your, what was your feeling as a competitor and what you were in that moment? I still have the same feeling that uh you need to have the game needs to have at least a certain level of quality replayability and and be like be what you i guess you could call a good game um before it can have before it will have an easy time sustaining itself that's very obvious right if the game is not good the player base is not going to be high or not be, be very committed um it starts becoming harder to like say that this will be a successful game, this will this will have a long life, and so on and so on. I felt like Overwatch didn't have that yet; it still had a very good sustainable viewership compared to I don't know all the numbers about the player base and so on, but compared to at least my circle of people that I knew, we all had the same experience. We played it for two three weeks, and it started feeling extremely repetitive, extremely repetitive. Um, then you have other games that I think I think, for example, League of Legends is pretty good game but not the best. Uh, obviously, people really like it, but I think Riot is an expert in um, in making a game have like a good competitive, or this is, I guess, their first venture, Riot's first venture into trying to make an esports scene. But they made, I think, a very, very healthy, good esports scene to carry even the game that might not be ultimately the best. And what I, like, I would then take my examples, being Counter-Strike and Dota being extremely good games with with communities that basically carried the, the competitive scene the esports scene started and carried it i want to i, I want to say um valve of course have been involved and and dota wouldn't be uh wouldn't be what it was if not for valve and they also moved the whole esports scene with, with ti but still I, I would put this as like a super tier type of game and there are other games like that, I guess, like where you just have the game quality and the, and the game being what people really, really follow. I think people follow League for also the uh, LC, LEC and 
and the worlds and and, and like the, the whole competitive scene and maybe also for for a lot of other reasons uh now you have arcane and whatnot you can you can see you can see that they're they're really good and doing a lot of things as a company also to promote the esports scene's longevity and and the health of the game um so yeah what did i think of call of duty and i didn't have, I don't have much of an opinion on call of duty I have very little experience but I, I was always very worried with uh with overwatch just because i played the game and then very worried with anything that blizzard would touch because i think blizzard has been a messed up company like messed up company like very messy in terms of uh, decisions with their games decisions with for their fans and that's outside all the all the controversy with the company that that came out too that was that was before i had that opinion uh but now even more so so yeah i'm more in the heart of ellie valiant which is one of the teams in overwatch i was there on the first season as the vice president of content for immortals and i have to say i love overwatch i think it's the most beautiful game ever made i don't want to talk about the playability because obviously i see it from the other perspective but as a media product and as a game it's amazing it's gorgeous it sounds amazing the the maps are amazing every hero Every character has voice lines, hitboxes, heights that affect your playability. You see differently from different angles. You move differently. You breathe different. When you are inside of Winston, you can feel the heavy breathing. When you move, you hear the doom, 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 doom. And I thought it was an amazing experience. I do not, I can't speak because of the playability, because I agree with you. I'm, I, you know, when I play a game, I play 30 hours. That's it. Yay. I played this game, you know, but I would say my experience was, was wonderful. Uh, working on Overwatch season one, I thought it was wonderful as well. Everybody was trying to do something really cool, community driven. There was a lot of really, uh, solidarity and, and, and inclusion that we did in LA Valiant and I loved it. Now, as much as I love the game and as much as I actually like what Blizzard was saying, problem is that when the moment that you make a franchise and you make people pay for it and all that, you have to create regulations so that everybody obey by those. And that's when the game becomes very constricted because then there are no teams that have a space to get in and there is no new stories that get in and there is no new people with new ideas that can get in. And the people that are in have a very low ceiling of things we can do, you know, they have to standardize everything. So it lacks life and it lacks community. Which is what you said. So if you if you want to do what Riot did, which is you know make an exclusive league, there's no, the same thing goes there, right? You have no other leagues, you have no other tournaments that goes on that are worth uh, worth anything compared to yeah. LEC or Worlds. Um, if you want that to work, then you really got to hope that the publisher cares and knows what they're doing and and will execute this. Because if not, yeah, there's no room for the community to to do it themselves. You know, there's no room for the game to kind of grow to its potential, meaning if the game is really good and has a huge following and has a lot of people that care and want to play and want to do mods, want to do tournaments, want to, you know, the game will grow. The game will get bigger. The game will like become more more history to it. But yeah, if if you were developer will say you can there's only this one league there's one tournament that you can participate in that's worth something in our game uh you have to be here then you you rely on them you depend on them to do a good job and if i was depending on blizzard i would not be very happy (laughs) 
Yeah, but I will say like, okay, let's just, let's just say something very interesting and I want to really horn into this game versus their ability to run a tournament and a community. I think Overwatch as a game had all the ingredients needed to make it a real exciting competition. And funny enough, and this is a very controversial opinion, I still think it has it. I believe <laughs> in Overwatch. I don't know if I believe with the 20 millions, but I believe in Overwatch because I think it has a very cool fan base and the game is very PG and the game is really beautiful. And I think it could do something. I could see them having a second win by the time Overwatch 2 comes up. But you're right. There is one thing that League of Legends has done maybe better than everybody, eh? maybe better than Valve. I think they've been able to make a very exciting scene around the game and making a lot of products around the game in which I consider the inferior MOBA, you know? Probably they have constricted slightly, but there's no way around it when you want full control and you want, you know, this and that. But they have grown a lot. They have a actively done things. I don't, I'm not fully into what they've done, but I'm, I've heard that they've done things for, for community, community-based. They make these, you know, smaller mini games uh, themselves and make sure they, they work and they run. Uh, they have, like, very good ways to introduce heroes to kind of, like, get them in the game quicker and, make, and help people, like, understand and not feel behind. So, so again, like, new player... New player entry, new player welcome, much better. Um, whereas, yeah, sure, before, I would say before last year's DPC and this year's DPC, the ec ecosystem for Dota was a lot better uh, as a nerd who wanted like a lot of story. I want, I dare to say, I, again, I don't, I don't know everything that went on in League of Legends and everything, but like, I just know that in Dota, so much has happened, so much has happened in the past. Uh also because there's not been control not there's not been exclusive leagues there hasn't been any leagues um and this is just made for so many storylines and it's made for so much so much to talk about and so much for uh tournament organizers to do for fans to um to again they spark new conversations they they talk about new things make up new stories that might not even be true uh and I, f I feel like it's kind of unique, you know, to the games that have not been smothered. Spoil or like, uh, yeah, smothered, yeah. So why do we think that League of Legends is in ways more successful than Dota? It's because the game is easier to play. It has like a, a less steep learning curve at first. The map is cleaner and in a way it's easier to, to see things. Like, dude, I've been playing Dota for sure. 7,000 hours and I continue to find things every day. But, I was like, ah, they're not this was here. But yeah, like they have. Um, what is it? Because they obviously have an easier way for easier time for new players to get into the game. I don't know if there's also something to do with the the communication, the chat, the like, the general uh, <laughs> the general vibe as a new player. Because it can be also very, that part can also be very hard in many competitive games, but it for sure is in Dota. But more so, I think it's the advertising, the tutorial system, and like the the how the game is trying to teach you things, teach you how to play heroes. There's, there, there are, of course, some, some explanations in Dota, some explanations in, in the client that you can, you can learn from, but the, Valve has not been, been doing a lot of work on this. And when, when the community went ahead and made a new tutorial, Valve's new patch kind of botched it again. So there's, the, the, the community is always behind trying to catch up and Valve, kind of being in control and leading the charge they don't 
they don't really carry that responsibility well enough, I want to say. So that's another thing. What else does Riot do well? I think they hire people. They have a lot more people working. They actually have people working on the esports scene. Whereas Valve, I don't think they have... All the people working in the esports scene could probably could probably fit in like a bathroom, you know? They could fit in like a tiny room. Like there's no almost nobody working on Dota from Valve. There's nobody to talk to. There's no communication. I don't want this to become an, an echo chamber of us criticizing Valve because I'm going to be open. Uh, after the whole thing that canceled the major, we actually received communication with Valve and they apologized for their doings. And uh, we met with Eric Johnson and he asked to give them a vote of confidence and that they were going to change things, that they were going to work with us. And uh, they honestly, they were very nice about it. And they said, look, we, we're going to try to do better right now. So I think that they understand some of the mistakes that they made and I am hopeful for them. But what is undeniable is that Valve has a specific priorities. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as we're all being honest with it. And in Dota, they have a specific priorities as well. We have to give them credit for some things that they do, because for example, this new battle pass with the Aghanim's uh, mini game is honestly my favorite thing of Dota. I haven't played Dota games for six months and I came to play this map. I love it. So we gotta have to give them credit as well for some of these things, because they do a lot of things. But it's true that they put efforts on some things and not on others. Because, like you said, they are group a small group of very good professionals, while in Riot you have a huge group. So a huge group gets to tackle more issues, you know, and more things at the same time, while in Dota you do one thing at a time. I'll give you an example. We spoke at one point with one Valve representative about should they make Dota 3 instead of Dota 2? And their answer was, well, we kind of did already, you know? Because instead of just stopping the game to develop Dota 3, we have been updating the engine and updating the heroes and updating the polygons and updating the map and updating the particles and updating all this. So if you really think the Dota 2 that we have years back and the one that we have right now, you could call it Dota 3. At this point, it's just the title, you know? Dota 2 is the game. But yes, once again, you're right. They don't have enough people to do everything that they might want to do or they need to do. I think. I, yeah. Look, I, I don't want to go into the bashing valve. Well, yeah. No, no. I think. If, I think, if you want to do, please. Don't, don't, I don't want you to stop you. No, no, no. I think you said it right. I think it's just a matter of uh, communication and, and priority and wanting to do it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's fantastic that the communication might, might start happening now. Uh, and that they actually reached out after, yeah. after Matrix cancelled. They, they do love the game, eh? They love the game. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they really do. Eh? And, and, and you can see it that, oh my God, it's like, I, I want to help them, but by me trying to help them in a way, it puts me in a place where it's like, do I think that I know better than them? Because I don't. And look, this is the best compliment that I can give Valve. There's a lot of ways that OG mimics Valve because we were inspired by them and some of the things by them. The idea that you have people that move from project to project, the idea that you have a small group of people where a lot of them have a lot of responsibility and a lot of ownership of what's happening is something that we like. We like it a lot. We do it a lot in OG, but it has some, 
side effects. One of them is you cannot move at a speed that other teams can move. It means that you cannot maybe tackle all of the things at the same time. You tackle one thing at a time. For example, NOG, the merge. Now we have amazing new merge. It's the best merge we ever had. The clothes that we have, the text, the texture, how it feels, the jacket that you're wearing right now is the best version of the jacket that we had. The chair that you're sitting on is the best version of the chair that we have. But I know we should be doing, maybe we have done this two years ago, you know? But it's just, there's only a finite amount of people that we have. I know that I get all the time messages, please open a Southeast Asia store, which I should have done already a year ago, but I've not been able to successfully guarantee the pricing that I want, the quality that I want with the products that I want. Therefore, I don't launch it. So in a way, we're, we're actually very mimicking a lot of them, you know, is we can't, you know, gee, we have to hold ourselves to very high standards. Our products have to be good because that's the relationship that we want to have with the audience, which means that we tend to be late on most of the things. The Christmas sweater this year, by the time it came out, it was the 25th, you know, and we were trying to figure out how to make it happen. So look, I, I feel solidarity for them, but as a person that is trying to leave from Dota, I'm like, okay, I feel solidarity, but can you actually fix this shit? You know, because <laughs> I actually have to run a business and it's affecting all these kids and all this. When I saw the messages from Boom, uh, yeah, is that the mid player from from Tickles? Oh yeah, uh, I think you, I think so. Yes, let me let me double check. I'm so sorry, dude. You are you're a superstar. I just I'm bad with names. But yeah, the, when he when he flew over, you, you, yeah, Boom. Yeah, so Blue Boom was like saying that I think that on my deathbed or when I'm old and I look back into my life and I look about what is the worst mistake that I ever made in my youth, you know, will be becoming a Dota player. I was like, oh my God, dude. Czech Republic. So yeah, he flew, he, they all went to US, right? No, US, what? No, no, oh, Boom, it's Tickles. It's, it's Tickles. It's Ponlo. Ponlo was the one that went to, to US. Oh, excuse me. But yes, yeah, so in a way, it's, I think it's undeniable, and I think both understand, you know, that the top superstars of our game, you know, including these gentlemen, including all these guys, like, they gotta be able to, to make a living out of this, you know? They, they have to. This is, they're very, very special people, and they do something really special that we love, you know? And I think that we're all, at the end of the day, lovers of Dota and appreciators of Dota. I can see this kid playing, I'm like, this guy's special, eh? And I want him to make a lot of money. Absolutely. So going back to, to Valve and League of Legends. Okay, so we have League of Legends that is a game that I think the scene is better than the game. And I think that they've been able to really help the game with new players. I think the game is easier, it has a less steep learning curve, and they made it really good. And you said that in a way CSGO and Dota is community driven. I think CSGO is literally the textbook example to teach people about this. Because I don't think CSGO was supposed to have this shelf life. For <clears> you guys don't understand, the shelf life is, let me explain it better, is this game was made and they thought, okay, this game is going to give us five years. We should try to make the next title so it comes five years later, you know, when people are ready for something else. But the community started doing such amazing things with this game. And they really started like juicing this game and they realized that the game was actually so much better and that they could build this whole ecosystem and this whole world on this game. And the community, let's call it how it is, has given this game the shelf life that it has. 
that the fact that CSGO right now is probably the top three best games in the world or biggest games in the world is crazy. And it's all based on people that are passionate about this game that continue to drive this game forward. Companies that are passionate about this that continue to drive this game forward. Valve doesn't even have to make another shooter. They have the best shooter in the market. They didn't even make Counter-Strike, you know? They bought it off. Uh, this was a mod of Half-Life <laughs> okay. where they bought it from, from that team for a pr pretty low price, I, I think, back in the day. So it's like community-made, community-driven, community almost run, you know, where you just have to make, like, buy the server, make your server, and then people will be playing all kinds of different mods. And, and of course, people were just queuing the... I guess it was still, they still had some rank, but but they were queuing IRC and, and in-houses all day long. It's amazing. I have to say, like, when we got into CSGO, for all of you guys that wonder, it's not a financially sound investment, but the game is so good and the community is so good that we got to be part of this, you know? And we're going to continue working really hard to really make a name in the community and continue trying to really commercialize this game in a proper way. But I mean, it's not been a financially sound investment. It's pure love what we have for this game. I love watching it. I watch every gameplay, every team play, and I watch the replays of our team. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know, but I have now all of them that you can see them as well. You have what? I have all the replays from the CSGO team. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, sure. you can see them. I'll send them up to you later. We have set up a whole new system, so we actually record them. To spend like half the week just Should watching we Dota and I, I feel like I'm going to get DDoS and hacked. Oh, yeah, you got to have like some I, double authenticator. I have the background. I have my second computer. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, Michael, maybe you should erase this part so I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, you kind of have it. Um, so, yeah, so going back to, so we have League of Legends. And now we have Overwatch, which is a great game, but I can see the repetitiveness of the game for you was not as CSGO, which every situation is different, everything is, is unique and all that. And then we have Call of Duty. Call of Duty is probably the biggest title in North America. That game has penetrated community and mainstream in a way, in my opinion, that no other game has done it. Like you can see LeBron James playing, Kevin Durant playing, every person plays Call of Duty in North America. It's a very North American game. But if you grew up here, and I did part of my life, Call of Duty is what you will play with your friends. It was first Halo when we were kids, and then it became COD. And then they built this franchise. And I was like, this is going to be amazing because this franchise is going to create this very high level of competition of product and all that. And then they start trying to run it like traditional sport where we have this season and then we have the middle in the season and then we have this break and then, and then it failed unauthentic to the community. You know, the community was like, but this is not what we play. This is not how we consume this game. This is not how we wanted to do it. And you know, Call of Duty has something unique is that they have different titles every year, which is crazy. And for all of you guys that don't know, so Dota is the same Dota. We have different patches, but Call of Duty is a completely different game. You have boots on the ground, Second World War, uh, small weapons on like, ch -ch boom, ch -ch boom. And then you have the one that you're like wall jumping with jetpacks and lasers. And then you have That's Black some... Ops. Wait. And then Call of Duty also did that? I thought it was only Battlefield that did the the new one with like super high tech. Uh, I didn't know Call of Duty also had like one of the no, high tech no. ones. So Call of Duty, every year they have a different title. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. have 
completely different ways of playing. And some of the games, some of the players are good on only one and not on the other one. Well, they're basically but running the two. Like they're actually. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was gonna say they run. They're actually running two esport uh, esports scenes, right? With now the battle royale and like the regular Call of Duty. How does that work? It's so the whole thing is like the teams. Let's say like hundred thieves and mm -hmm. optic and uh, Minnesota Rockers or Gorillas. They all have this lot, and they compete in whatever title is in front of them that year. So last year was one title and now it's another title, Vanguard, the new one. And you and the next year is going to be uh, jetpacks and ride, wall rides, and that's the game that they compete, the same players. So you're literally competing in different games. Oh, shoot, really? So the Battle Royale game is not going to be there next year for, for, competi like for competitive... Uh... So the competitive is, only, is always 4 on 4. So... Four on four, four players of 100 Thieves are going to play against four okay. players of but, LA Guerrillas. But there's the a new Battle Royale, right? There's a Call of Duty Battle Royale that they, that they, um, that they made last yes, year. That is not played really. Yes, but that is not what the league plays on. The league plays on the four on four. But I was, so my question was, they're, they're running two esports scenes, right? When, when they actually have the 4v4? To be completely honest, I'm not that familiar. I'm not familiar with the Battle Royale part because it's not part of CDL. It's not part of the Call of Duty League. Oh, okay. I still thought that so game got pretty big. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun, but it's not like that's not the bread and butter of the Call of Duty League. Maybe I'm talking without knowing. Call of Duty League is 4 on 4 with whatever title is there. I got to get educated moment. on this. And I have no idea. Sometimes it's Second World War and sometimes it's Jetpacks. Maybe have... we should bring a Call of Duty expert, but I have so little knowledge. <laughs> From my experience, this is. In Europe, this is not a thing at all. Like Call of Duty is almost not a thing at all growing up here. It's, it's a thing in France and it's a thing in England. Those are the two territories where, oh, yeah? where they have a little bit of presence. Yes. I only know the and French. They Dota have guys. Paris, the Paris franchise and they have English ones and they have good players from England. Very good players. Some of them are really, really good. But now they have this problem because what I was trying to say at the beginning before we got wrapped up was that I believe in these franchise leagues. I believe there was a lot of people smart and I believe just like in League of Legends, maybe it was the path to consolidating our beloved passion for esports into our real business. But now that they are not working the way that is expected, then in a way it hurts all of us. But now there is this news that Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard which means that a Microsoft is going to run, change, modify? Are they going to run it differently? I don't know. I'm super curious about it. And I actually have very little information about it. But when do you, how do you feel when you saw the news? I mean, I thought it was good news for, for the people that still enjoyed the Blizzard games and people who are still hoping for a real Jablo 3. <laughs> Probably for the guys playing World of Warcraft too. I, I don't know. I don't know which business is bigger for Blizzard. I think World of Warcraft might be their biggest. Um, but I think it's it's overall good for the for the general consumer for the player. Like I think this company was headed off the slope and has been headed off the slope for almost a decade, if not if not that. Um, yeah, I think it's breath of fresh air. Hopefully, they'll do a lot of things different. In terms of game development and uh, releases and stuff, um, just speaking from the games that I like and I, 
I would have hoped to see be done like really well. I haven't done WoW in a long long time, but probably that that the ship has sailed. But I'm still hoping for Diablo three. I would still like another StarCraft to be made. I wouldn't mind another Warcraft, like a Warcraft four, uh, like a RTS game. Um, and yeah, hopefully with Microsoft now buying buying them and backing it, uh, they might they might do some new new projects, which I'm hoping for. I remember being a kid, and this is always going to sound like the boomer in me, and I'm okay with it. Dude, I used to queue on game stops and game places on midnight to buy the Blizzard game. Yeah, same. It was always Blizzard for me. Yeah. Diablo 2, I have the, co the collection edition with the Diablo. It's still as an adult. And box, I, yeah, yeah. I actually remember, funny, funny story, I was in Copenhagen living when... I think it was the expansion uh, came out of World of Warcraft, and I was there at midnight buying it that I already reserved it in Nogabro, just to buy it there and just go home, run, and just play for 24 hours straight until I was like, well, first 10. you had to install. And so you had to wait. Like you run there, you run home, and then you have to install. <laughs> I think at one point they started doing very well where you could actually preload the game. Oh, you could pre-install it, but you couldn't get it. back then, yeah. Okay. That was a little bit more advanced. But that was when downloading the games became a reality. Before, you used to have the CD, or you have to plug it in, and you actually yeah, yeah. do it. So, yeah, it was Blizzard. Diablo 2, I played it to exhaustion. Diablo 1, I played it. It was my first games where I would go to Lancafest and play that game. I have so many hours on those, and Mephisto runs. I actually installed it maybe two months ago, the Diablo 2. So when you were a few Mephisto runs. When you were Mephisto running and you went you got in yeah. into the dungeon, how would you decide which wall to start hugging, left or right? You remember? <laughs> I for me it's, it's actually I always go I always go this clockwise. I okay, so you would actually hug the left wall. Okay, you you always hugging the left wall then. The right, the right one. So I I I always came to Mephisto this way. You know, on the right. Oh, you follow no, that's counterclockwise. Clock, counterclockwise. Oh, you okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, yes. So same. I was, I was hugging the right. When I went in, I would go, go right. Yeah. I would hug the right one. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Yeah. That's and how. That's how I, I, I decide it. how a person is. You know, a person's personality is which which side of the wall they started running my flock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you get to Mephisto? And then the like, Wall of Warcraft was a massive game in my life. Massive, massive. I was a massive fan of that, and I, I was in one of. Like the runs for first world kills in Lurker and in Ankirak in some of those things. I was I put so many hours in that game. That was my university time in Denmark. Did you play a lot of Warcraft growing up? Like just the game, the RTS? Yeah, the RTS Warcraft? Yeah. I played uh, I remember playing a bit of Warcraft two, but I, I definitely remember a lot more from Warcraft three. Uh, and then Warcraft three Frozen Throne. I remember everything, yeah, and then all the Battle.net games, like, wow, played the, all the tags, like the sheep tag, tree tag, so on, vampire, hunter, vampire, whatever, different, so many different custom games, Footman Frenzy, and then, of course, uh, Dota started at some point, but, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a beautiful, that was a game, that was a game changer, so to speak, that changed the game of, of, of games, like having custom games, having people basically make games for you. You know, that was, the, that was the new clause that they made for their new Warcraft, like the Warcraft 3 Reborn or Remake or whatever, where every game that was made in that client was going to belong to Blizzard. So 
yeah, no, that was a game changer. It, it, I think it changed the childhood, the childhood of me and all my friends, <laughs> big time. All the different custom games we played. Yeah, I played so many arena heroes as well, which is what it became Dota in a way, and a lot of tower defense. I think for me it was tower defense. Line tower wars. I played all of them compulsively. Yeah. What 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 race do you used to play in Warcraft Three? I didn't play so much melee or so much of like the the actual Warcraft uh, okay. competitive. But if I had, I probably played the most human. Yeah, I played more human than the others. I, I found the orcs being the most boring for some reason. Orcs were so boring. Hmm. Humans were good. I just didn't have the micro to to pull that off. You know, with all the in the sorcerers and priests and i didn't pull anything off you dude. had to micro the shit no, i think i was like I, I how was old just, were you when this game was yeah I'd, i think probably from 10 started playing warcraft 3 frozen throne if it or it was pre-expansion and then yeah 13 i was at the net cafe playing dota was that the first game that you nerd on like what was the first game that were like okay i have put way that was wow that was wow i was world of warcraft for sure Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. I played what so much PvP. Which part of the world? Uh, I played from vanilla. I played vanilla and then until uh, Death Knight patch. What was that again? Wrath of the Lich King, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, we did the arena. I did the arena thing with some, some guys. Uh, there was one guy we played a lot. We played duos, Shaman Warrior, uh, and then we played trios, Shaman Warrior Paladin. Uh, that, that was Burning Crusade. That arena came out, right? Yeah, I was the warrior, and uh, we were we were freaking good. I dare say we got the world's first achievement for uh, hot, hot, hot streak, and hot, hot streak. Um, yeah, well, for like, uh, I think for that you needed you needed to win ten in a row on all three uh, different or something. I don't I don't remember exactly how, but it was like world's first win streak achievement whatever yeah i, I nerded a I lot ended up, I, I actually i actually played uh, sorry i became gladiator in my vnp in burning crusade yeah, yeah, my yeah. i play rogue what did you play what composition Elf rogue so very funny that you mentioned if i'm sure that there's going to be some warcraft world of warcraft nerds here and they're going to say that i'm a silly little nerd so in two and two it was i played with priest rogue oh so you could dispel all the wow, time. Wow, so smart. And correct. I, I could never pull off the, the rogue mage. I was never skilled enough to do all the CCs properly. You, you mess one out and you will die. And I actually play a druid uh, rogue with yeah. me being the druid. Oh. Because you can just CC someone until the end of the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my alter. My alt was the druid. So you could just grab them root them see clone them and then you turn into the bear and then you you run at them and stun them you know and then you repeat so it was it was very very interesting but i i obviously my rogue had to do all the work and then on three on three that was the classic one the priest rogue mage that one was super classic and if done properly it was honestly unstoppable if done properly we would have stopped it you, we could always stop to it. play for 15 seconds ah dude Paladin, Paladin was so broken. Holy smokes, man! Paladin was so broken. Paladin, Shaman, yeah, Wind Fury. Bubbles, but oh. you have to be ready. I remember. Uh, I remember. Uh, yeah. It was no. And it was the, you on five on five. That's sorry. Keep going. 
No, I was gonna say like it was the freedom, the freedom thing from the paladin, like the the D rooter, like the so that the, the warrior just couldn't get CC'd. You couldn't CC him. You could only do the sleeps or something like that. I don't remember, but you couldn't stop the guy. I was gonna, he was gonna come come after you. But yeah, yeah you're you're saying. No, no, yeah. So that composition is like the guy is running at you the whole time and he had the wind fury. So you hit double hit mm -hmm. and then you have the mortal strike. So by the time you go low, it's very hard to bring you up again and it will drain your mana. But in Burning Crusade, remember the Warlock Druid Warrior was yeah. also super hard because they will just take all your mana out. You couldn't play. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of the Warlock Druid also in 2v2. It was, and I don't think it was Warrior they were running with in threes. There was something else. Maybe it was Rogue. But the, the Warlock Druid was the slow death as well. Like, it was this very slow dot. They could go on forever. Uh, they had a few th threats of some burst play. I remember that, but I just, yeah, that was the, that was the one that we had the most troubles with. It was definitely the, the Warlock Druid in 2v2. Because the one that we were running with Warrior Shaman, was uh, not so it was not the best i think but, but it was always winnable because you had some crazy burst potential if you if your shaman was good and the, your warrior would just learn how to win fury proc but in win like the thing the cool thing about it which i like and it was very unfair is that you could choose the items that you wanted yep. so as a warrior shaman you could go in with pbe weapons and just burst people out you could just blow them up. So you, one uh, one fury will just burst people out. So I love the game, right? I loved wow. I loved the PvP aspect of it, but I hated grinding so much. And, and getting my warrior to max level was like the hardest thing I ever did in my childhood. Like I could not get an alternative character, no matter how much I wanted, because I couldn't stand the grind. So I think it was Burning Crusade, not the first Gladiator patch, but like the next season. No, I don't remember, but but it was at some point people figured out that uh, the you, the blacksmithing weapon was the one you needed for for this and for that. Like the meta kind of got figured out, I guess. And you had to grind so much to get it. Like the blacksmith levels was yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't uh -huh. do I it, did. dude. Uh -huh. I couldn't do it. So I ended up like doing it without the weapon. So I will tell you now the cheesy part for anybody that is listening is my five on five. So my five on five was. I was rating PBE and I was high rating at high level. We decided just to join with PBE equipment and just blow people up. It was five DPSs. We'll just blow people up. It was, it was a police discipline, two frost mages, and one. Uh, so it was shaman elemental, two frost mages, the rogue, and the priest discipline. And what we would do, it would literally blow people up. We could blow up a warrior with a shield in three seconds. If I was able to shadow step to the priest, to the healer, and use everything, like imagine sap, and then he will break it with the tinker, and then you blind him, and then you sap him, and then you gouge him, and then you kidney shot them, they will die because there was four people just shooting rays at you. We have a burst of five seconds because remember that the, the element shaman could Activate the trinket, yeah, activate yeah, the, the one that you're going to create, and then throw this and boom, boom, boom. And then your your two mages also hit everything and just blow people up. And we, five, won, five was a mess. We, we went from nothing. It was amazing. It was amazing. No, it was and not my, amazing. My five, five was, was not amazing. Can though. I just slop? <laughs> you like the three or some threes then? That's not the classic one. Of course. Right? Two v two, three v three, that's like manageable. Like five v five was silly. Yeah, you had the like full PvE mode and then bursts and ah uh, mm -hmm. 
5v5 was not good. Unmanageable. I had like, do you remember that there was, again, full nerd, but remember that it was like in Burning Crusade, you had the two the two maces that you needed for, for a rope because that way you could stun people, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if you were the blacksmith, you will make the best mace, the best maces. And then you have to get something in PvE that will drop that will allow you to upgrade the maces. And oh, I yeah. had that. So it was completely broken at that point because I had weapons and nobody else I, had on server. I remember those. I remember those the mazes, the stunning mazes. It was so stupid. Mm -hmm. There's so many stupid things about this game as well. But yeah, that was the first game I murdered. <laughs> it was so stupid, the mazes, that I didn't even have to do damage. I would just get dots. And when the kidney was in, in cooldown, I would just do the slice and dice, which means have faster speed. And I would just be on top of you. <laughs> That's fine. I miss those days. I do miss parts of it. I, I really do miss WoW, like parts of the grind and parts of the, yeah, just memory lane for sure. That game was good early on, like the vanilla time. It's a great day. Really great MMO. I think that my favorite part is that it really gave me a sense of community because I will join the moment that I got home, I will join the team speak. And then I will spend my whole evening with these people, you know? Yep, yep, yep. I was not even playing. I would just be, hey, what's up, guys? How are you doing? Oh, dude, what's going on? Like, it became my friends. It was my... I actually met a lot of these people in person. I became friends with them. I went on holidays with them. I'm still talking to some of these guys because those friendships were real to me. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people have met over over certain MMOs and WoW definitely being, being a big one, which... I wonder if it's if it's a bigger game. Like I wonder still how many people subscribe to uh, to World of Warcraft and how much money that is for for Blizzard. Um, it has to be a great business, getting people to pay for a game every month. That's a hard thing to do. I remember at, at eighteen years old. I remember telling my mom, "Hey, mom, I'm gonna have a sleepover with people in my house." And she was like, who are these people? I was like, are my wall friends? And she was like, you crazy? You're bringing people to your house? On the internet. And it's like, yeah, but like I spend, yeah, I never met them in person. And I was like, man, but I spent 10 hours a day with these people for the last year and a half of my life. And they all came to Madrid in buses, you know, we were all like 18 and it was like. But this is how they win you over, Juan. Home. This is how they win your trust. It <laughs> takes a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> And then we were there, we ate pizzas and we watched movies, we watched anime, and then we went to play on a LAN cafe. Dude, this was my childhood. I love my childhood. I will, this is honestly some of the happiest moments of my life. Yeah. Happiest memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With old, games. Old LAN events. That's why yeah. we're all here, you know? Because yep, yep. I remember going, not having a computer at home and going to play Age of Empires. That's how old I am. But to go and play Age of Empires at a LAN cafe so we could play five on five and six and six and just do things that we couldn't do on online because online we couldn't play it. You know, it doesn't work. Beep, 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 beep. Yep. You logged in and everything is slow. Oh, God, what a great game. Is this just too old for you or do you have any memories of Age of Empires and Wololo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, I, we played, we played Age of Empire at the, what's it called? Community center or like the post-school club free time club we had age of empire we also played some half-life one we played a lot of half-life one death death match um there's some other really old games that we play i'm trying to remember but no i'm not too old for me i we also had the uh, very early on we were also using the the 
phone line, whatever it's called. The it's modem. A, the modem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you modem. hear, hear yeah. the sound and somebody, if somebody calls, the internet cuts and stuff. I remember that. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> My parents were like, you cannot, you don't understand that when you're playing, we kind of get on the phone. I'm like, it sucks for you, man. Yeah, and if somebody else it calls like you, they, they cut it as well, right? They cut your internet, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. Because but then they made these microfilters, filters, and it's not happening. And, okay, I know that we segue into this, but actually I love this conversation. So, Michael, I guess you're going to have a longer podcast today. Did you play graphic adventures? Because that was my jam. Traffic adventures? I played all the monkey graphic adventures. I graphic adventures. Monkey Island. Oh, okay, no. Monkey Island? You know, it was just a story. It's your one player. There is a story and you get to unfold the story as you're playing. You heard about Monkey Island, right? I don't think so. Guybrook Streetboot, the pirate. Google it, Google it. Come on. I know this is a boomer, but Monkey, Monkey Island, Island is, was my, my favorite game growing up as a kid. No, dude, I have not. I played. Michael, have you played this game? I have never heard of this game in my life. Oh my god. It's okay, well this it's like a click and like, I'm gonna give you point and click. I'm gonna give you the story. The story is very simple. You remember uh Jack Sparrow? Yeah. Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. That's the character. Where is his pie from? You uh -huh. are this guy called Guyboot, Streetboot, something like that. And you are a clowning little guy that is trying to become a pirate and is your adventures of how to become a pirate from Shit. the normal guy. Okay. And the way that the battles were resolved. They were fencing, but they were fencing as you were roasting each other. So <laughs> you had to learn how to fence, but the fencing was like, you will say like, I don't know, your mama is so fat that it falls from both sides of the bed. And then you will have a line that you can do that it was like, oh, well, this line is going to beat him. them. Yeah, so it was yeah. like, a, yeah, yeah. So You're that's how, how you actually fire. the okay. fights against the bosses. Uh -huh. It was about cursing each other's mom and you know, like saying like your ears are so big, you know, that you get three channels of satellite. It was, it was so funny and so clowny. And you will get like these upgradable battleships that you make money through your quests. You could upgrade so you could hunt. It's like the, remember when in The Witcher, that is the mini game inside the game, mm -hmm. the card game. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing in, in Monkey Island. You will have these battleship fights and that's where I spent all my day. Dude, so this uh, this game was amazing. Oh my god, I feel too old. If anybody out there knows this game, please comment. Guy, I feel like playing Guy Bruce Stripwood. It's no. very old. Eh? This is like sixteen uh, eight bit. How do you spell that one? Game. No, Guy Bruce Stripwood is the is the name of the character. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So it's still Monkey Island. Guy Bruce Stripwood. Yeah. Good. I remember because I didn't even have a computer. So only one of my friends had a computer. So we will all go to his house to play Monkey Island together. And I was like, oh, dude, tell him that this line, this line is going to work for sure, you know? And then he will have a better line for you. And you're like, oh, shit. He got me there, you know? I'm a boomer, but I remember like I was having this boomer moment the other day where when I was a kid, I lived in a, in a neighborhood. Think about it like city neighborhood inside the city. You live amongst buildings and you are playing on the park under benches. That's how you play football. Or you would like sneak in the school to try to play there on the weekends. Or maybe like, you know, the, the guy that was running the school would let the door open because they knew the kids in the neighborhood would go there. And I would leave my house 
and I will just have to find people on the street, you know? Where are my friends? I don't know. You go and find them. And back then, there was only one of my friends that had a computer. And we were like amazed by this game, you know? You could play a story and you were a pirate. And it was not like an observational moment anymore where you get to see the movie. You get to play it. And we would get around this guy's house and just watch him play because he was the only one that had a computer. And you were just watching your friend play? 12. Yeah, 12, 13, 14. I mean, it's, it's Twitch. That's the first version of yeah, Twitch, you know? Yeah, yeah. It just happens to be Twitch. sitting behind him. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the time I was a little bit older is when the LAN cafes started. Because back then there were no LAN cafes. And that's when I played Diablo 2, when I played of Empires. And then is when I got my first computer. But in my first computer, I really couldn't play much. That was World of War. That, sorry, that was Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft for me. That was my first computer. Before that, it was all LANs. And then is where I got the power at home and I just wouldn't sleep or just play these games over and over and over. My mom were like, dude, what's going on? And <laughs> Did she ever pull the plug on you? <laughs> so many times. Uh, the question should be how many times a week she will play, she will pull the plug, the plug. So many times, so many times. And I would lose my mind every time and feel so sorry for my mom. I'll be like, what's going on? Back. I was about to finish this boss. Yeah. She's like, you told me just that. Just pause the ago. game. Like, you, you don't, don't understand. understand. You don't understand what it means to me. I miss those days. And I know that kids are not going to have that. And I think it was an important part. Because I think that one of the things that I meant that I miss right now is that when I play a Dota game, I get tilted three minutes into the game. Before, in a way, playing Dota was a privilege. Because you didn't have the computer. You have to literally go somewhere and pay. You had to get out of your house to go somewhere and pay. And once you are there, you need to make the best out of the moment that you're there because you're, you committed time and money to do this. I feel sometimes people just queue Dota because they don't have anything else to do. I don't know what I do right that's now. That's probably so true for queue. a lot of them. Yeah, that's probably true for a lot of people. Yeah. And three minutes in, the game is not going the way you want it. So then it's like, what a waste of my time. But no, you actually, you teach me this. You're there in the game, good games, bad games. That's the game. The game is playing the game. And if you have a player that is weaker, it's your job to figure out how to win with a weaker player and help him do his best or her best. Well said. Uh, oh, well, how far we are in the podcast. Oh my God, it's an hour and five minutes. And I have so many topics that we never really got to talk about. We never really got to talk about the franchise and about all this, but yeah, maybe we wrap that up. I think we should do a whole game, a whole podcast on old games, but I have to show you the footage and I have to show you some of the gameplay. You can't, okay, I mean, like old games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have my own long list. Sure. I've played a lot of games you haven't played either. I played so much of my childhood away. Look, can you open the link that I send you? And Michael, you can, I can send it to you later, but opening and, and put it on your screen. Yeah, I was on it. I, I was scrolling through this already. And click on one hour, 12 minutes and 30 seconds, and you're going to see the fighting and the cursing. Right. First, you'd better stop waiting it like a feather duster. <laughs> and now you have to click, you know, which one is the best one for that? Once I own a dog and I'm not going to take your insulin sitting down. Your hemorrhoids are flaring up, eh? 
And then that would be like, ta, 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 I got you there, you know? I'm not gonna take your insolence, and I'm not going to... Like, imagine just playing this game where you're like just trying to curse this pirate. Your hemorrhoids are flaring up again, huh? And then you got it on the first one, so you're gonna throw it again, the hemorrhoids. But it doesn't work this time, you know? Because he had you. Uh -huh. I've spoken with eight yeah, you see that the complexity of this game is just very, very old game. Lucas Arts made it on 1990. Adventure game developed by Lucasfilm Games and published by Lucas Arts. Dude, Lucasfilm used to make these incredible games that I used to play growing up. They made so many of the games that I played. My name is Kyber Streetport. Prepare to die. That was his line, you know. And that's that's all the fights. You see. I've spoken with this is a, the first Monkey Island, I think. The Secret of Monkey Island one. Yep. I mean, you can see here the whole gameplay on, on three hours, and then you have Monkey Island. <laughs> but it became much better. It was like the graphics were elevated, and the music was better. Yeah, dude, I play this game so much. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm sure that they don't want to see a boomer just going through Monkey Island. But yeah, look at this. I never heard, heard anything, anything so low. I completely misjudged you. You are a pirate. I'm completely misjudged you. You're a pirate after all. Great. I'll just <laughs> join the crew. Great. <laughs> but anyway, we should do. Let's do a podcast of just reminiscent games. I'll show you my favorite games, and you show me your favorite games. And that sounds good. I think that could be a really cool, cool one. Okay, well, this was a quite eclectic, but actually full of energy uh, episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the reminiscent part. I would, I would like to say, remember, well, I don't know if you guys seen it, The Kyle did an episode with Richard Lewis. And at the end of the episode, after they've been talking crap all episode, the final thought from Kyle, I thought it was fantastic. Because at the end of the day, even though we live in an imperfect world, even though we have a lot of things to get better at, even though there's still a lot of controversy and all that, I feel so blessed that games are in my life. They have been a source of happiness, of friends, of business now, new things that I've learned. And it's all because I really embrace the nerd in me. And everybody told me that these people were not good for me and they were wrong. I met some incredible people, some incredible friendships that I have. And yeah, I think this is the, the link that we all have together, you know, with everybody that is listening to us is that we play games like you play and we are super nerds like you are. And I don't know, I, I find it, I'm very grateful that we're here, you know, and I can even be having this conversation, you know, in which world do I even deserve to be here? I don't know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, blessed, blessed to be having video games in, in life, that's for sure. Crazy, crazy time to be alive, as they say. Yeah. And now we have them on the phone. So I can take them to the toilet. I'm not sure how good it is for <laughs> me, but I do. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap this episode. Thank you so much, everybody, uh, for staying with us. I hope you guys like it. Uh, we have something special cooking for next week that we will tease throughout the week. And uh, we've been trying to get Seb also into the podcast. So please leave soup. comments if you have specific questions or specific topics that we'd like to address. Otherwise, you might get stuck in this stream of conscience that we do. Johan, final thoughts for you? Final words? Happy and excited for a new Jablo, Jablo 3 or a real Jablo 2 uh, remake or whatever uh, might come in the future. Um, 
yeah excited for next week's podcast and uh now i'm thinking how happy i am to have video games and i'm thinking what i want to play next which game i want to open up maybe it's more time yeah i think i'm gonna play more anyway thank you so much everybody more how more okay sorry 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 we can't finish the episode more is the bonding game that johan and i have I've never had so much fun in my life playing a video game than playing Morhau with Johan. And I'm terrible at it. But even if you're terrible, you actually have things that you can do in the map because you can just be whatever you want to be. It's like a Middle Ages kind of like castles and invasions and, and fighting with swords and with arrows and all things like that. And it's all in a battlefield and everybody's playing at the same time. There's like 40 people playing at the same time. Super game. Okay. It's a great well, game. Let's close this episode. Close this episode. Thank you so much, everybody. And I'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.